What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcasts, Stitcher uh, should be on Apple Podcasts. Um, we have the YouTube going, so you can watch and listen. Or, you know, if Wednesdays at four thirty don't work for you, you can listen to the show on Thursdays, and then you know, comment on the show on Facebook or however you want to interact with us, and we will definitely still respond to that. Um, but very excited to say that we are on the the podcasting apps now as well. So that is a exciting addition to the show. If you can't join us live. Um, today we are welcomed by Curtis, as we are going to be once a month, to get uh, some updates about what's going on in the worlds of boxing, MMA, just the the combat sports universe. And um, so we're going to kick it to Curtis. Um, some of the things that have happened since the last time we had Curtis on the show were the uh, Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul um, fight. And just this past weekend, I believe, was the the Conor McGregor and I uh, was Poirier, right? It was Dustin Poirier. Yep. He fought. Yep. Um, the diamond. And, uh, yeah, and Conor McGregor's leg injury. So we're going to talk about that, too. Um, see, Jake got kicked out. I'm wondering if it's uh, a similar issue that I might have. Uh, Curtis, you might end up being host of the show pretty quick here because we got some bad thunderstorms rolling through Wisconsin right now. So, oh, dude, I seen the radar. It looked bad. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's pretty it red. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure Jake will probably be back here. But um, so let's start with the uh, the Floyd Mayweather and uh, it was Logan Paul fight. Um, so my question to you for that fight was: it seemed to me more like a a spar matchup than it did an actual boxing match i don't know if that's uh your assessment of it or not yeah um that's a good assessment man um from the outside looking in you know it kind of did look like that you got to take all the factors into it man logan's a big kid i that face-off picture man that really kind of scared me a little bit made me nervous because i was fully on board that floyd was gonna do what floyd does you know be able to counter punch, move, and just do whatever he wants to do with this kid. And so that that face off picture made me a little bit nervous, man. And then, especially when they got in that got in the ring there, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting now. And and with Floyd being where he's at, you know, being fifty and zero, um, taking those risks is is 
pretty crazy to me, man. So um, the fact it looked like a sparring match, you know, with Logan being so big, you know, Floyd had to do what Floyd does. You know, he takes his time. Um, he breaks people down. He makes people miss. And then he takes them out. He did the same thing to Conor McGregor when they did it. You know, Conor had a first few, you know, two, three good rounds there. And then Floyd eventually took over the fight and and was able to put Conor away. So um, with that being said, Logan is how much younger? I would say probably 15, 20, 20 years, probably younger, something like that in the ballpark. I'll, I'll look it up while you're talking. All right. Bit. Yeah, so that's that's a big factor. The age is a big factor. The size is a big factor. And to be honest with you, man, Logan can box, man. That kid can actually box. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be, and I think Floyd recognized that right away. Um, he, he could tell. He's like, all right, and with that, with a guy that big, anybody can take anybody out. So um, as the fight progressed, you could see Floyd, you know, working him down a little bit, and then – it became like a holding match. You know, that was the biggest thing I noticed is every time with, with the the size difference and the length difference and the reach difference, you're going to have that where Floyd's got to get on in on the inside. And that's not totally what Floyd's known for. He's a defensive fighter. He makes you miss. He counter punches. He doesn't get hit. He gets out of the way. Right. So his whole philosophy really changed when he got in there. So, you know, Logan had a decent first round. I think the first round he ended with that barrage of punches, you know, not the best technique, but with a guy like that being able just to turn his hips over, you get hit like that, you know, everybody's human. You can go down and might not get back up. So I think he realized the risk right away that Logan could really, really box. He was way bigger. He's younger. He's came in phenomenal shape. So as he worked through the fight, um, Floyd was able to to get in there. But the thing with the size and length difference is Floyd, you know, he had a lunge in there. You know, he really had a lunge in and, and throw big shots. And and Floyd was throwing big shots, you know, after that first half of the fight. He started throwing big shots, but the only way he could do that was by getting inside of the guard of Logan Paul. And that's the only way you can do that is kind of work your way in. And he was lunging in, throwing big uppercuts, big overhands, and then he would get held, you know, and then the ref would break it and he'd do it again, do it again, do it again. So um, I wouldn't say it was total that it wasn't a sparring fight. I don't think so. It wasn't like a Roy Jones Jr. fight with, um, you know, the Mike Tyson fights and some of these fights that you see that are really, you know, they, they pre-planned that, you know, not punch in the face, you know, kind of work the body, you know, make, make a good, make good money, make a big check. So, um, with that being said, man, Logan can box and, and even Floyd said that after, man, he knows he can really, really box, man. And so with the resources the Paul brothers have, the money they have, man, you know, they can hire and bring in the best of the best to teach them and train them. And they got all the time to be able to devote to that. Um, so he really surprised me, to be honest with you, that he was that damn good. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are talking, oh, Logan, are you going to move into actual boxing and, and go for a, a world title? And I don't see that happening, you know. With the size difference here, you know, Floyd was able to get in and significantly win that fight. Um, I just don't see him moving forward in real boxing. So, you know, my question is what's next for Logan Paul? You know, he's got so many different options that he can do besides boxing. But if he wants to box, I see that more or less being, you know, money fights, you know, like celebrities, maybe a Conor McGregor fight maybe um, a Dylan Dennis fight, you know, there's some big fights out there and the way these guys talk and promote, they can almost create any window of opportunity that they want and I'll give it to them. They're really good at that. So there's no saying what the future holds for, for Logan. Um, But I would see him not necessarily taking boxing serious, making a run for it and going in against guys, his size that have been boxing for 20 years. Um, 
I don't see that working out for him, and he he's smarter than that. Um, but as Floyd, you know, what what's next for Floyd? I would love to see him just hang it up. You know, that was a really risky fight. You know, if he gets caught and dropped and knocked out by that kid, you know, that, that you can tarnish your career. We kind of see that playing out with Connor right now. One's enough, you know, you, you, they both got hundreds of millions of dollars with Connor and Floyd, and you kind of see these fighters keep coming back, keep coming back. It's like, why? Um, but as as you said, it, you thought it was a sparring match. Um, I think Floyd was just being patient, being patient with him just because of the size difference, reach difference, age difference. Um, Floyd probably hasn't been training like, you know, like he was back in the day. So I think those all came into play and, and Floyd really got, you could tell he was going for his head, but every time he go in, he'd get held up and that's smart on Logan's fault, uh, Logan's part because he, he, Floyd's the best in the world for a reason, man. He's going to piece up anybody, but, um, I think it was a good fight, man. That was a win. That's a total win for Logan Paul, man. That's a total win in my book, honestly. As much as I was rooting for Floyd, I said, that's a win for Logan Paul, man. Hanging in there with with Floyd, with only boxing for a couple years now, being a YouTuber, a Disney kid, like, it's pretty impressive, even with the size difference. So that's kind of what I took. It was kind of just a, what's up, Jack? You look like you got something. So first of all, do I sound okay? Is my mic working good? Yeah, you're good, bro. So first, I want to ask. Um, oh, oh, oh! You still hear me? I'll continue talking because I got a question for you. I don't need to see your face, bro. No, no, no! <laughs> Nobody needs to see this face. <laughs> Maybe this is how we do right. it moving forward. So, first of all, do you ever watch the celebrity boxing? Uh, not a whole lot, but I, I see clips. I'm not really into it, man. Yeah, bro. But <laughs> my stepson. I don't know. He just loves these this YouTuber named Ben, and he he was all in on this his, his boxing match, and he wanted to watch it, and he wanted me to pay for it. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know where to watch it. I was like, I'll message my brother, and then he was like, no, 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 no he lost. I already saw. I don't want to watch it anymore. I was like, oh, so you don't want to watch it when he gets beat up? Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Secondly, I was gonna make a little comment about McGregor. He doesn't even have to fight anybody anymore, dude. He makes all his money now because his, his mouth makes him all the money. And he's got he's got was he got a tequila out now or a, uh, whiskey, a whiskey, yeah, Irish whiskey. Yeah. Dude, yep. he, can just, he can make so much money off of that, and all he has to do is go and have a presser and talk crap about people, just like Donald Trump used to do, and just freaking run his mouth for thirty minutes, and then he's good to go. Nobody wants right. to watch him fight anymore. He's the best trash talker in the world. Yeah, Connor's got four hundred million dollars, man, and I think he sold. Um, I'm obviously in the liquor business myself, so I have a little intel and I've heard, you know, I think he sold it for like $600 million. Um, but I think he got, I want to say he got a hundred million up front for his brand. And then as long as I think it's like five years, as long as the brand keeps reforming as it has been, he will continue to get his money as it goes just so that, you know, the company that bought it is protected. So um, he got $100 million, right? I think he's worth $400 million. So to see him coming back and fighting, it's just like, why? You know, it's like you, you sleep in silk sheets every night. It's hard to get up and, and hit that pavement every day and be that dog and be that hunger that Connor once was. So, um, yeah, you're, but you're yeah, not that, used to sleeping on that, that horrible, shitty mattress, hotel mattress anymore, dude. Shit. You're sleeping on, like, the top-of-the-line shit, wearing the top-of-the-line clothes, driving the top-of-the-line cars. Man, you don't have to act with you from the mud no more. <laughs> He's a pimp rocking Gucci mink, bud. Yeah, he really is, bro. I know he is. I love McGregor, man. He goes yeah, he went dude. real far and and you know, after he broke his ankle. But. That's Connor's power there, man. That's Connor's power no matter what. He's always going to be able to make money. People are always going to watch him fight. And, and we'll get into that, but to paint the narrative of the whole story, like I, I don't understand why he's doing it anymore. I, I think – 
you know, what's another 20 million to a $400 million man. Um, and so people are always going to watch him fight because it's Connor. Connor could, he could come back after this injury. He just had surgery. He had a broken fib tib. So he broke that, you know, snapped that baby clean in half. And so yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he could come back, man. I, if he does come back to UFC, I don't see it until like 2022. And then, you know, that being said, all that time off, what are you doing? You know, what's he doing? Is he just enjoying life? Like, A, he should be. And if anybody's mad about that, you're crazy, man. He's worth $400 million. He took him, pulled himself out of the gutter to get him back into this show and make money and do what he's done. So he deserves to do it. But it's like the the narrative of the story is what's what's it going to be like when he is back and healthy? Has he just been, you know, going on his yacht? Has he been drinking and just been hanging out with his family? And that's the – we'll get into it with Dustin. Dustin's been the complete opposite. But as the YouTube guys, man, I don't really get into it because I really love the art of the sport and I've trained for so long and there's so many people that at my level that have trained so, for so long that agree with me. You know, just to see people out there, you know, disgracing the sport in a, in a way. I mean, if you can make money, make money. I want everybody to make money, but it's just not. It's seeing bad technique. You know, terrible. Just everything's terrible about it. I don't. I do not give two shits about it, to be honest with you, man. But when it comes to Logan and Jake, I I, I do. I I wasn't at first, but I'm becoming more of a fan because they're they're legit, man. They're putting in the time. They're not just, you know, hiring somebody for six months training every day and then just fighting some YouTuber and making a quick 20, 50. I don't even know what those guys are making, but so I'm just not into it, man. Right. It's just not my thing, bro. I don't have time. You know, I don't have enough time to watch those guys go in their box, but more power to them, man. If there's a market for it, make money. It was cool to see uh Chad Ocho Cinco get in there. Yeah, you know, bro. That was dope. He was not too bad either. I like to see the heart from him, man. That was super cool. I was actually excited for that one just because he is a real athlete man he is a hall of famer and to see him go in there and just write something off his bucket list i was really cheering him on and he did it he did a hell of a job man not gonna lie he used his length with his jabs and stuff like that but as the other youtube fights like um your stepson's been watching you know it's just not my thing just because of the the technique wise and they're like all gelled hair and we got dj Khaled out there yelling this freaking it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like Dude, miss me with bullshit bro Twenty eighteen, man. Come on. Nobody was singing with him. I'm like, I'm like DJ Khaled. You're talking to like 18, 20 year olds right now. They do not give two fucks, man. (laughs) Talking about that song came out like 2010, man. They're like five. I don't know, dude. They're like seven, eight years old. So it's just, it's kind of a shit show. It's a mockery, and I just, I'm not a fan of that, but. Seeing like real athletes like Ocho Cinco do it and stuff like that, it's pretty cool to me, man. Just see him write something off their bucket list, get an opportunity to do it. So, and that's kind of the Jake, you know, the Paul brothers. They kind of laid out that platform for people to be doing this. So, kudos mm-hmm. to them, man. Kudos to them. Yep. So it seems like um, I looked it up. By the way, the the Paul Mayweather difference was eighteen years. Um, and you you talked about Floyd Mayweather giving a lot of respect to Logan Paul as you know as like a serious fighter. Um, from what I've heard is that the younger one, Jake Paul, is actually um, seriously considering like a career in boxing. Um, right. I don't know if that's something that uh, you've looked into a lot or I know you've kind of mentioned. Well, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it the last time we were on here, but when we when I found out he signed with Showtime Sports, you know, like, I mean, that right there, boom, I knew it. Everybody knew it that, you know, that's real deep into the sport here that okay, he's serious. You know, we kind of knew he was serious, but the Nate Robinson fight, you know, the Ben Askren fight, we didn't see a whole lot. We're like, okay, he's making a ton of money. Maybe this is what he's doing. 
But the moment he dropped trailer and moved on to Showtime, I was like, Showtime, don't play those games, man. Showtime is not trailer. Trailer is going to have Justin Bieber performing. They got robots everywhere. You know, they're trying to like, <laughs> they're trying to speak to a younger audience and, and, and that's all it was. But when I seen them sign with Showtime, I was like, Showtime, don't play these games. They're not going to be throwing them Nate Robinson type guys. They're going to be throwing them legit guys. Um, and, and that's when I realized he was taking it serious. And then what, a couple weeks after, boom, T Tyrone Woodley fight got booked. Mm-hmm. And I knew mm-hmm. that this kid, and that's the difference between Logan and Jake. And I might've mentioned that before, man, that Logan's not going to, he's not that guy. He's already showing us that he's not going to try to become a legit boxer where Jake, Jake's a legit, legit boxer, man. He understands timing, footwork. He's a hell of an athlete. He's a big kid. He's even he's got a couple inches on Tyrone Woodley. He's got some length on Tyrone. He is, uh, he's in phenomenal shape. So I see Jake taking this serious, but it's it's what happens after this fight coming up in August 29th in Cleveland, Ohio, right? What goes down that night really shows and paints the narrative moving forward. Um, you know, what, what Jake Paul's going to do. So, and everybody that hates Jake and loves Jake, that here's the time, man, you finally want a legit guy, somebody that can really test and maybe shut this kid's mouth, or maybe Jake's going to prove the world wrong and that he is legit. And he is going to move on to the sport and slowly evolve his way into it. Cause you can't throw him to the dogs, man. Three years, three and a half years, however long he's training is not enough to be thrown in there with a Earl Spence Jr., the Charlos, you know, those types of guys, they're just going to, it's just not there. But this fight right now with three fights, man, I've only fought a couple times, man. I, I ain't going to fight Tyrone Woodley, man. You got no way. That you got me fucked up. It ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't happening, man. So um, I can see. I can see where Jake's going. I can see where Logan's going. They're kind of creating that path, and they're both making tons of money. So we'll see with this Tyrone fight, man. Tyrone's a multi-world champion in the UFC. He's been boxing, you know, when Jake Paul was on Disney Channel, and Jake even said that. He's admitting, and and I think that's a good thing to do, man, is point out those facts. Like, yeah, man, you've been boxing when I was on Disney Channel. Like, you've been at the best world-class boxing. So now if he does knock him out, you know, it really sets him up, and it really will climb him up. So he's he's putting himself out there. And did you guys catch any, like, the press conference? Did you see anything, like, on social media or anything they had? I think it was yesterday. Uh, I didn't see anything recently in the last couple days, no. Gotcha. So, yeah, they just decided Cleveland, Ohio, which is where Jake and Logan are from. So that's super cool. Oh, that they're okay. gonna be taking it there. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of the crowd and the fans and, and, and the people that are where he's from, if they follow him, they support him. Are they, you know, is it going to be packed house just for Jake Paul? But the press, the press conference is good, man. I mean, Tyrone's saying straight up, man, I, I'm a dog. And he's training with Floyd Mayweather right now for this fight in Floyd's team. He's sparring with top level guys that are also getting ready to go into big fights, world title fights. Um, so I love to see it that Tyrone's taking it serious and he's giving it his all, man, because I don't want to see half-assed Tyrone go in there like Ben Askren mm-hmm. did and just just dig in deeper to the MMA world. So, yeah, the press conference was good. I mean, Tyrone said, you know, he's beat Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson twice. You know, he's beat all these world-class guys, defended his title five times. He's a Hall of Famer been boxing for 20 years or so um but they made a bet <laughs> i can't believe this this is in tyrone's probably he, tyrone's very egotistic he don't he don't take shit from nobody um and he's kind of got that um he's kind of got that ego where like you just do not fuck with him and that's just who he is um 
the rain the rain getting you jock dude it's loud <laughs> right now bro i hear it is it <laughs> yeah but uh um uh, yeah the bets they made was um if jake beats tyrone tyrone's got to get a tattoo that says i love jake <laughs> if tyrone beats jake uh jake's gotta get a tattoo says i love tyrone so that's in and, and, and we're tyrone that's where tyrone's ego comes in. he's not gonna say no to that he's not gonna back down from that but i think i think they did try to bet on their purses uh on just what their show up money was and tyrone turned that down so it kind of makes me wonder is, is tyrone you know need the money is he looking for something to set him up for the rest of his life you don't really know but Breaking it down, man. I don't know who to pick for this fight. I would probably lean towards Tyrone, just because of the speed, power, you know, his um, his longevity in the sport, all of his training. But Jake is no joke, man. He ain't no joke. He's he's good as hell, man. So. All right. Well, the other uh, the other big thing that's going on right now, we kind of touched on a little bit, is is Conor McGregor. So, um, any basically anybody that knows what happened with Conor McGregor, he was in a match this week. I think it was it was his second matchup with with Poirier, right? Third, okay. So, um, broke his leg during the match. Um, so now there's a lot of question going around. Like, is Conor McGregor done? I mean, you kind of touched on the fact that you already think he should be done because he's, you know, he doesn't need the the money anymore. He's set up with, um, you know, with his career earnings and working with business and endorsements and stuff, but um. You know, what do you think would would be next for Conor McGregor? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, dive into that a little bit more with Conor McGregor. What's next for Conor? Like I said, I don't see him coming back until 2022, you know, and so that's a lot of time. What happens, you know, his thing is he wants that Dustin Poirier fight, and everybody that's a big uh, Conor McGregor fan has a foot to stand on because he broke that leg, man. You know, they're always going to say – what about the second round, third round? You know, what if, you know, he didn't get actually beat, he didn't get knocked out. So they're always going to paint that narrative, right? So, but what's next for Dustin comes first for me. Once I answer that question, I can kind of look to see, you know, maybe what's next for Connor. So what's next for Dustin is definitely the, the title fight at 155 pounds versus Charles Oliveira. Okay. So Charles Oliveira has been around for a very long time. He, he went on like a five fight skit or something like that years back and then made a run all the way through, kept improving, kept improving, kept improving. And now is the, is the world champion. So um, with Dustin, that's what's next for him. When are we going to get that? I think Dustin deserves some time off, man. He's a dog. He's got 12, he's got 12 wins at the light heavyweight or uh, uh, the lightweight division. So um Connor's got one win there, you know, in, in that division at 155 pounds. Dustin's got 12. So if Dustin goes on to become the champion, which I do see happening, I, I really do. Some are going to disagree. My boy Jamie Medina's going to go Char- Char- Charles, <laughs> Charlie Olives all day long, and I just don't see it. Dustin's a dog. Um, and the thing about Dustin, he's continuously gotten better. He's never taken time off. He's continuously gotten better. Connor McGregor, has he continuously gotten better? Not much not anywhere close he has not gotten any better you know he's been taking all that time off in between he's sleep, you know sleeping in the silk sheets it's hard to get up and pound the pavement every day and have that dog in you dustin still got that dog in you um so if dustin goes on to win the title and then connor finally gets back and healthy and is and back into his training camps and doing the things he needs to be doing um he needs to get back to that i don't see him deserving that title shot against dustin i, I just don't how do you how do you lose four four fights in a row and then think you're going to get a fight against, you know, Dustin Poirier for the title and just jump ahead of the Justin and everybody else. So um, 
what's next for Connor? I mean, Connor's always going to have that, man. People are always going to want to watch Connor fight. Connor can make money at any time that he wants. Connor can go fight Manny Pacquiao, make 100 mil. Connor can go fight Jake Paul, make 100 mil. Connor can come back to the UFC and fight top five, top 10 guys, make 20 million. It doesn't matter who it is. Like Jake said it, it previously, he can sell the fight. He opens his mouth, man. People are going to watch. Um, you know, so what's for next to him is, is I don't know, you know, and that's, it's going to be something that we're going to have to look out for and, and be watching for. But I, I just don't see. But Dana White, okay, so let's go with this. Dana White, the UFC president, is all about the money, dog. He is all about the money. And who brought who more money? Yes. Money talks. Money talks, money talks. And who brings more money to the organization than Conor McGregor? Absolutely nobody. No one right now. No one ever has. I don't know if anybody ever will. I don't, there's not going to be another Conor McGregor in my eyes. So Dana even said after the fight, yeah, we're going to see a fourth fight. Why would you not? You sell 2 million pay-per-views. You make $100-plus plus million You pay people 18% of what you make. You're making tons of money. Why would you not? Who gives a shit? Why does he care, right? So I do, I, I, I do see that fight happening again. Just because Dana wants to make the money, Connor's going to want that fight back. If you guys listen to him after the fight, he said, this is not over, right? He said, this is not over. And Connor gets whatever the fuck he wants. He just does, man. He's earned that right. So, but for Dustin to go win the title and Connor to come back and get an instant fight, there's no fucking way, man. That just just can't happen. But Connor, if he goes back and beats a top 10, top five guy, which – I don't know if he's even in that realm anymore, to be honest with you. Um, then then for sure, you're going to see that fight. But there's no way he can just jump in front of these top five guys that are on huge win streaks, been in the top for a long time. So what's next for Connor is uh, going back home, stop talking about killing people's families and stop talking shit like that. Um, <laughs> stop and, talking and about his wife in the DM when you have a wife. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's like, okay, <laughs> I was it's like what are you doing, bro? Got a whole yeah, family over there. I lost a lot of respect for Connor, but I will always watch Connor fight because he is an elite martial artist, man. He does have some of the best stand up in, in the world. He he is elite, but is he top 10? I don't know. So if I don't know that, how the hell does he deserve to fight for the title again? So we'll see how it all shakes out, man. Connor just needs to get back home, refocus, get that healed up, do what Chris Weidman's doing a two, three fight to go. Chris Weidman snapped that leg in half, and Chris Weidman's been on a mission to get back to where he was. You know, get that healed up, get back into where the contentions he was and become a world champion again. So as long as Connor follows that mindset and does those types of things, um, he can do whatever the, do whatever he wants. But, yeah, saying those types of things, man, I lost a lot of respect for the guy. And and that was my narrative coming into this to this fight. I was like, last fight we seen nice Connor. We seen Connor hugging. You know, giving proper 12, taking Dustin's hot sauce, taking pictures, giving money to Dustin's charity, and all this nice guy stuff. So I was curious what Connor's going to show up for this. If it's if it's nice guy Connor again, there's no way. If it's the savage Connor that we all know and we all grown to love and that's how he's made all this money, we got a real fight on our hands. But it seemed to me, to be honest with you, it seemed, uh, it seemed real fake. You know, Connor was trying too hard to be that guy. And even Dustin said, like, come on, man, you're better than that. Like, dude, what the fuck? He's like, your wife's the husband. Like, he's like, what? He's like, and you know what I think that bro. was though. Huh? I think that was just his adrenaline, man. I think that was just his adrenaline. He just broke his leg. He's trying like, to. Uh, oh, he so he said he also said that before the fight in the press conference. He's like, he's talking 
saying stuff about his wife and stuff like that. And I think Connor was trying to light that fire under his stomach that he used to have, man. He used to have that fire that he'll take out anybody in the world. So, um, uh, I, I just seen it being too, too fake. He's trying too hard for it. And I think Dustin's grown so much. So they fought in three times. And I think the last time was 2014, Dustin got put to sleep in the first round, first minute or something like that. And back then, that was vintage Connor. That was real Connor. That was making fifty thousand dollars to fight, not twenty five million dollars to fight. And he really had a you know a point to prove. And Dustin was so much younger, and he he lost his cool. He was getting caught up in it. And so many people have Jose Aldo, Eddie Alvarez, um, Nate Diaz on the second fight. There's a lot of people that have got caught up in that, and they just get their ass whooped, man. Um, Dustin's grown so much and that's why Dustin's going to be the champion and he's going to be dominant for a very long time unless Habib comes back, which he will not be coming back in my eyes. So, um, because he continues to grow, man, and he knew that was some fake shit. And he knew like he's been here before Dustin's dealt with this before. So he's like, it didn't bother him at all, man. He knew what he had to do is get in there and fight his fight. And so, um, What's next for Connor? He just needs to get back, heal up, get back to the drawing board. I would love to see him just hang it up, to be honest with you, not tarnish that career. Because at the end of the day, you can't take away what Connor's done to the sport, what he's what he's meant to the sport, what he's done. That run, his run through the UFC was the greatest thing I've ever witnessed. It was amazing. Everybody, it was the best thing ever, man. It was the coolest. It was the the emotions, the feelings. And every time Connor fights, that's going to be there, man. It's just going to, there's nothing like a Connor fight night, you know? And so, um, but if Dustin becomes a champ, I don't, I don't foresee Connor coming back and doing that. So maybe he takes some money fights. Maybe he, you know, takes his money and invests it somewhere else, makes another whiskey, you know, gets into other businesses. And, and I would love to see him kind of step away because before that foot broke, I, I told everybody I had to rewatch the fight. I had a few drinks that night. Okay. I had to rewatch it, but I could tell that he was going, he's getting put away. Dustin was going to put him away. I uh, 100% knew you could see it in Connor's face. It got red. Like he gets gassed. Um, he was taking shots, but um, yeah, I just, the press conference was weird to me. I, we, I did see, you know, that fire in Connor a little bit, but it just seemed fake. And then um, I was curious, you know, how is Connor going to come out in this fight? You know, is he going to be any different? And he was, he was a lot, he's a lot like old school Connor at 45, you know, bouncing on his feet a lot, doing the spinning back kicks, um, doing different, you know, leg kicks, mixing in his boxing and not being so heavy on his legs and focusing on that boxing. So at first, you know, Connor did really good. And then, you know, he said the first one that shoots a bitch, you know, if you win by submission or decision, it, it doesn't count. You only win if you knock somebody out. And what's he do? You know, he's getting pieced up and he initiated that clinch. You know, he wanted to close it. If you're getting by, if you're getting pieced up, you got two options. You either bring that guy in close to you and you find a way to throw knees, slip elbows, or make something happen from there, or you circle out and get the hell out. Connor grabbed him, clinched up with him. Dustin went for the takedown. Connor went for his neck, tried to get the guillotine, got taken down. And and for Connor to be down there, I, I you can't focus on everything, you know, in a camp, but I didn't see him really trying to get back up too much, you know, that. He wasn't, you know, his shoulders were flat on the on the canvas. You really want to try to get to the side. And when you get to the side, your opponent wants to get you flat back again where you can't do anything. And his back was flat on the ground, and Dustin was laying those big shots. Connor was throwing some elbows from underneath. I did see a little bit more out of Connor, but I just don't see it. I didn't see it going any other way. If that would have made it to the second, Dustin's going to keep chipping away and take you out. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know what's next for Connor. I hope he, you know, and, the stuff he said after the fight, man, it's like, 
I, I don't want to see that, man. And um, Dustin, Dustin, man, I give Dustin all the respect in the world to take all that. And the guy, you, a guy just broke his leg in a fight with you and you were whooping the shit out of him. And he has the balls to say that about your family. I don't know how he didn't just walk over there, jump on top of him and start beating the fuck out of him. Yeah. You know, a lot of people would have so respect to him. And that's you see the growth in Dustin. If you guys go back and watch old school Dustin, he was a hothead. But now you see the growth. And what's he say right after that? He's like, man, he's like, he's got a beautiful family. I hope he gets home safe to his family and everybody's healthy and everybody's great. And they enjoy their life, man. So, yeah. Connor, Connor, I don't know the money and everything kind of getting to him and the fame. And so we'll see what's next for him, to be honest with you. I am not not even worried about him kind of moving on from it. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on that, man. All right. Well, speaking of moving on, um, we're going to have you back before the next um, Jake Paul fight. Um, Is there any other fights that you're looking forward to in the next um, the next three weeks or so, say, until we see you back in Wisconsin? Yes, I can't wait to be back, boys. Let's go. So excited, man. So excited. Hey, not for nothing. We, you know, I'm always down to do anything live. I know everybody's busy. So whatever you guys want to do, if you guys want to market, promote, do something fun, even if it's quick, we can do whatever. So um, I hope people enjoy the show. You know, I started podcasting with you guys. You know, it's like my third, fourth time on here. So just getting a little better with it more and more. And so I, I, I'm, balls deep in this stuff guys i watch it i watch everything so you know any questions anybody has anything creative for you guys you know on your end always let me know and we can always switch and make it better but um some big fights coming up is the islam makashev versus uh tiago moises that is this weekend so islam is a product of habib Nurmagomedov. trains with habib um he's very much like him he's on i want to say a five fight win streak he's 19 and one um he they think he's the next champion he's so damn good guys that nobody wants to fight him nobody wants to fight him he can't get a top five guy because nobody wants to fight him man he's that damn good at striking he's that damn good on the ground and tiago moises is a very well-rounded very good fighter and he stepped up to the plate, so he's no scrub. That's a great one to watch if you guys are, are trying to get into it. That kid's my dark horse. I wouldn't really call it a dark horse because I think everybody kind of sees that coming in the future, the next year or two. Islam's going to be the champion, so we'll see how that all shakes out. That's a great fight this weekend. And then coming up, we have a big one, man. Uh, this one got postponed, so this is two weeks from this. It's not this Saturday, next week. So two weeks away, we have TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sandhagen. They are um, going to be fighting at 135 pounds. Um, this is a big fight, man. Corey, Corey is a really well-rounded kid. He should honestly be fighting for the title, but it's um, Dane always says, let's see how it shakes out because the fight, the fight game is so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or next week, who's going to fall out, who's going to get hurt, who's going to get sick, you know, stuff like that. And so, um, TJ Dillashaw was the champion for a very, very long time. He got suspended for a couple of years for the PEDs um, and has come back and, and looking to revenge himself against Corey Sandhagen, who just had a knockout of the year flying knee against Frankie Edgar, who's an absolute legend, Hall of Famer. So um, they used to train together. They got bad blood. Corey's a lot younger. And when Corey was coming up, he got the best of TJ in that gym. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this shakes out. These guys are young. They're, they're smaller guys. So you're going to see them flying around a lot. They got some of the best striking and technique in the UFC. So that one is going to be a banger. That's one you guys really, if you guys are interested really on watching one, I would tell you to watch that one. Um, and then we got uh, 
Lewis versus Gone, Serial Gone. So Derek Lewis and Serial Gone will go at it. I think uh, I want to say it's early August for the interim light heavyweight or uh, heavyweight title. So they put Francis on the back burner. There's some there's some you know things going on with that that you know some people aren't liking, but um, Francis is kind of taking a step back right now, and so these two are going to fight it out for the interim title. Um, Serial Gone is also one of my dark horses to become the heavyweight champion. He's got better footwork than everybody else. He's got better timing than everybody else. He's got um, great technique. He doesn't have the knockout power like uh, your big boy Francis Ngannou has, but it, it sometimes it doesn't matter if you're able to have that good technique and footwork to escape those shots and lay counter shots, you can take somebody out. So that's a big fight. Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. Everybody knows Derek Lewis. He's got the best Instagram page. If you want to follow somebody, follow his Instagram page. Um, knockout artist, big dude, doesn't move a whole lot, but if you come in and get caught going to sleep, everybody's gone to sleep with that guy. So those are three big ones coming up guys. And then we got some stuff coming later, you know, in August with the, with the Jake Paul fight, that'll be really interesting to see. So we'll talk more about that next time we, uh, next time we get on here, boys. All right. Apparently it was my turn to get kicked out, Um, but I'm back. All right, Curtis, one more thing before we let you go. Uh, We got to get a score prediction for the Bucks game tonight. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. All right. First of all, I see Devin Booker coming back. You guys know that's going to happen. Devin Booker is going to come back and he's going to be ready to play, man. He's going to go for it. And, and I see a, a little more energized team this time. I think the Bucks will win by five. I think it'll be like 118 to 113. Giannis is going to close out as long as Giannis gets a little bit more help from his, his surrounding. Drew did shoot decent. Uh, I want to see a little bit more out of Middleton. Um, the other pieces of the puzzle, like Connington, it was awesome, dude. Bang! <laughs> Jake, yeah. do it. Do it. Do you got, it. You got you. Connington for three. Bang! Bang! <laughs> so oh, I okay. see oh. I see the Bucks, man. The home, that home crowd, uh, that advantage, man. The Bucks fans yeah. are crazy, man. We had a couple friends of all of ours there, and it was super cool to see the inside. So I see them winning by five. Um, but I do see um, Devin Booker coming back strong. So let's see what they do. You know, Devin's caused a lot of problems for him in the first couple games. So uh, I say Bucks win it in seven. Bucks in seven. All right, Going man. Against the narrative. Going against the narrative, but fuck it. Hey, <laughs> man. Live your own life. Go All Bucks, right, boys. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Thanks, Thanks for being on, buddy. All right. See you, bud. See you guys soon. All right. So we're going to talk about games two and three, and then we're going to give kind of a, a preview for what we want to see the Bucks do moving forward in games four through six. So let's start with game two. Jake, let's talk about game two. Um, what went wrong? What looked good? Um, let's get yeah. your feelings on game two. First things first, I just want to give a big shout out to my brother. You know, getting all of information from a month you know, into one segment is incredibly hard. I mean, we find it hard to get a week's worth of stuff, you know, and to really hammer home the important points that we want to hammer home. So it's tough, man. So big ups to my brother. That was awesome. You did great, man. Now let's talk some Bucks basketball because I'm excited. Um, game two, man. Ah, that was a stressful game, you know, because – we had a Giannis going crazy, 42 points. You know, he, he tied that record, you know, with mo- most points or whatever in the, or 20 points in the finals quarter. In the third quarter, he went nuts. Yep. Yep. Um, what went well for us, other than Giannis, honestly, was really not a lot. I mean, the rebounding was pretty close. Assists, they beat us by a couple. 
We both shot a close percentage. They hit 23s to our nine threes. So that's not good right there. We were nine of 31. They were 20 of 40. Yep. You shoot 43s, you make 20 of them, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and 16 of those 23s for Phoenix came from four guys. That CP3, Booker, Bridges, who had the game of his freaking life. And Factor. Yeah, and Crowder. And Crowder, who just had the game of his life the other day. You know, yep. He was six or seven on threes the other day. Yep. Um, things that went well. I really can't find a lot. Um, I wanted to give a shout-out to my man, Drew Holiday. He had two of the craziest blocks I've ever seen in my life. One, I did not think he was getting back on Devin Booker. He blocked him with the left hand. And then two, he blocks a seven-footer in DeAndre Ayton straight up for a jump ball. That domination. Yeah. Uh, it was really sad that nobody got back to help him on that one on Booker because that was a great yeah. block. Eight and ended up cleaning it up. But um, not a lot went right for us, man. Uh, between Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, we were 3 of 14 on threes. And, you know, the basketball now, it's, it's a lot of, you know, three-point shooting really evens things out, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, Giannis can dominate down low as much as he wants, but he, he's not getting help with at least, you know, adequate three-point shooting or, you know, spread the floor. You know, it, it really it doesn't matter. And uh-huh. – I just wanted to point one more thing out before you did um, because I had this written down and I have it circled three times. Uh, Four of our nine three-pointers came from one player, Pat Connaughton. You know, uh, we beat him in bench points, but, you know, CP3 had 23, Booker had 31, and like I said about Bridges, he had 27. So, I mean, for us to close the gap, I mean, we only lost by 10. So we were down by six multiple times, and it just oh, felt wow. like a hump game. Like we never got over the hump, you know. Um, it just—if we would, you know, I told you this before. If we would have had one person, uh, a Brooke, a Chris, a Drew, it doesn't matter. If we would have had one other star on our team step up sure. with us, you know, and and give a little bit of scoring for a couple of minutes, I really think we could have stole that game. So that's why when I talk about game five, you hear what I have to say, but. Uh, I didn't see a lot of things that went right for us other than Giannis, to be completely honest with you. So for us losing by 10, I'm really not that stressed out. Yeah. I mean, and the thing with that is, you know, Phoenix did what they were supposed to do. They won both of their home games. They did what they were supposed to do. You know, we wanted to steal a road game, but, um, you know, we started down 0-2 against the Nets. So it's not, you know, it's not a nail in the coffin by any means. Um, for, For things that went well, it was pretty much just Giannis and Pat, which... When we talk about game three and and going forward, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some stuff out there because people still don't give Pat Connaughton the respect that he deserves. Makes but um, I I also had it written down Phoenix plus 33 points on three pointers. So I mean, you know, even just an average three point shooting night from the Bucks, and it's a much closer game. Yes, um, if not a win. Um, like I said, you mentioned it already. My X factor, Michael Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. 27 points and seven rebounds. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention him again when we talk about game three, but game two, he was a big part of their success. Yep. Um as far as Devin Booker, you mentioned the 23 pointers made by Phoenix. Devin Booker made seven of them. So he made over a third of their total three pointers. Um to that to me, especially in the second half, um, between Chris Paul and Devin Booker, what Basically, they got wide open shots almost every possession just by running pick and rolls. And when we talked about game one, we talked about all the switching 
There's way too much switching. So then when we come to game two and there's adjustments being made, there's miscommunication. Yes. Of if we're going to switch or if we're not. And that is what led to some wide open shots for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And they didn't miss because they're playing at home. They, you know, they're feeling good. They're up the entire game, basically. And, yeah. you know, just getting those open shots, wide open shots in rhythm, guys in the NBA just aren't going to miss a lot of those shots. So that's, you know, that led to Booker being seven for 12 on three pointers, just having those wide open looks. Um, so that miscommunication on the defensive end, you know, to me was kind of a carryover from game one when they were switching everything. And then in game two, they kind of switched stuff up. Um, and we'll talk about it in game three. Uh, they kind of cleaned that up. So the one thing I wanted to point out, this is like a, it's a nitpicky thing, but it's something that I think is worth mentioning. So Phoenix had this play that everybody's talking about, you know, ESPN is like, look at this fantastic ball movement. You know, the, every single player touched the ball. I don't know if you saw it or not. Deandre Aiden on that play spent nine seconds in the paint. Yes. Nine Nine seconds. You can go watch the video. DeAndre Ayton stood in the paint the entire time that ball was swinging around and people are doing pump fakes. And, you know, Devin Booker goes up for a shot and then passes out of it really quick. DeAndre Ayton was standing in the paint that entire time. The worst part about that? watching the ball, so he didn't get called for it. He's the one that ended up scoring. He did. He did. That's he got the, the lap part of that whole play. That's what I thought. the entire t- When I saw him standing there, and I was like, he's the one that scores. Wow. That's crazy. After stand, yeah, nine seconds. That that bothered me. Obviously, those two points didn't make the game, but he got an and one on that play. So not only did they end up getting three points, but they got a lot of momentum from that. Well, think how mentally demoralizing that is. You're running around chasing people off the line, running, running, running. Everybody's trying their best, and all of a sudden they get an and one. Like. Man. And you and you know, like you've played basketball. I've played basketball. We watch basketball. Like, but like, watch Bobby Portis get an and one, and just watch his energy go from like an eight out of ten to like a twenty out of ten. Like, getting an and one is seriously one of the most like physically energizing things that you can do in a basketball game. Well, Bobby does this thing. Uh, I don't remember who pointed out, but like, kind of like a hockey thing where he gets the crowd into it when he just gets mm-hmm. a regular foul. Like, he'll just grab an offensive rebound, and get a foul, and then he'll just start screaming. He did it last game. Yep. He'll just start screaming, and then you get 20,000 people, and all of a sudden, everybody in your team's energized. All I love like, Bobby. Oh, yeah, I'm not that tired. I love Bobby Portis. Oh, man. Dude, they have shirts, and I couldn't buy one because they all sold out. But they have Bobby, Bobby. They have those shirts on buckshop.com. I go on there all the time. I'm so sad I didn't get one of those, dude. All right. So let's move forward. Let's talk about game three. Um, a lot more went well for this one. I know, like we, we talk about it all the time, the UNI text during the games. Um, the first quarter was a little, eh, it's kind of iffy. Um, DeAndre Ayton was getting way too many mismatches. Like the Bucks kept switching on, um, on screens and it left guys like Drew, um, you know, Tucker, he can kind of handle Ayton. I wouldn't, you know, love for that to be the case. Um, Pat Connaughton, you know, just smaller guys being on DeAndre Ayton in that first quarter. And DeAndre Ayton had 10 points in the first quarter. That's, you know, 
that's a recipe for success if you're Phoenix. That's a recipe yes. for disaster if you're Milwaukee. So yes. I texted you at the end of the first quarter. I'm like, are the Bucks going to play any defense in this series? And play defense they did. The second quarter, they doubled up the Suns 35-17 to 17, and took a big lead into the second quarter. So that was that second quarter for me was really where the Bucks took over that game. Um, Phoenix closed it down to four points a couple times. Close it down to six points, and then at the end of the third quarter, with the lead down to six, Bucks rattled off sixteen straight points. Um, I want to know your Giannis feelings. Was... I know, dude. I dude, Giannis, so and I texted you too that it was that Drew Holiday picked the perfect time to show up. Yes. So I want to know. Let's get into your thoughts from Game Three. I have a lot, so let's get your thoughts from Game Three. I have a little bit too. I, I mean, I will bounce off each other here for a little bit. First of all, for Portis, I brought bringing the energy. Didn't even write a single stat. Didn't write a single shot attempt. None of that. I just wrote he brings the energy. First thing I like to say before I get into my speech is Budenholzer better learn what matchup the word matchup means because clearly from you know sometimes he doesn't understand what putting matchups on the floor means. You can have Giannis and Portis on the floor at the same time. That's tough to guard. Portis is a little quicker than, than Lopez. So if he pump fakes, he can drive to the rim and get, get that little floater that he does all the time. I actually like Portis and Giannis together better than I like Lopez and Giannis, to be honest with you. I mean, you're, you're losing getting into my keys. Don't steal my keys, man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so I got three plays that happened in the second quarter that I think really, really ignited this game. One was a Chris Middleton three that put us down 36-35. That was a huge three-pointer, in my opinion. Because the Bucks just missed, I don't I remember, I think it was like two or three shots in a row. And Phoenix was being kind of sloppy with it. And right there, that was kind of the jolt for the team to be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're here. We're here. Giannis hits a free throw. We were still down by one. The next play that happened was Brooke Lopez shot a three. He airballed it. Tucker grabs it, throws it to Giannis. Giannis freaking, oh, my God, godly thunder throws it down with two hands and just a place of rumps. And then the third play was probably my favorite play of the game. Probably everybody's favorite play of the game. Probably the one that Wilkins Holiday, just Blocking, you know, blocking yeah. Booker. He goes behind the back, gets the ball back, throws it to Portis for the dunk. Oh, my God, was that beautiful. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life, I swear to God. Um, those are the three plays to me that really, really ignited this team. You know, got the crowd into it. You know, they turn defense into offense, which I preach all the time. That's the number one thing that I like the Bucs to do. They are the best team in the league when they turn defense to offense. Transition. We, we are unstoppable. About that. Yeah, we are unstoppable in the fast break. Chris Middleton pulling up. Drew Holiday pulling up. They can get to the rim. Giannis is the most unguardable player in the league oh, you know, yeah. going, going downhill. How are you going to stop that? He's athletic and long. Um, But, yeah, anyways, uh, Giannis, another 40-point performance oh uh, i got some stuff about Giannis. I, i'm gonna let you say all the pieces man i know you prepared for the Giannis stuff um drew holiday like you said he got hot from three and i'm gonna leave bridges for you as well because i have that written down mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. uh one thing i wanted to say you know devin booker obviously didn't have a great game uh he was one for seven from three his one three-point make came in the first quarter and Chris Ball was one for four on threes, and his one three came in the fourth quarter. So they are taking quarters in between each other with making a three-point attempt. That is a recipe for our success. 
Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul can get he can pretty much get any mid range shot he wants at any time. He really and can. He makes all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got great touch. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Giannis was pretty good from the from the free throw line. He he should be man. He shoots so many of them. You think he would improve at some point? <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, he's just got to bend his knees, man, and follow through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes his timing is just off, and he just he'll straighten his legs and then he'll shoot it. And sometimes he just he waits too long, I think, and his legs get a little fatigued. You know, he just got a one motion, put that baby up there, you're good to go. That's why I don't like how many dribbles he does. Three dribbles, yeah. spin that sucker, take your deep breath if you need to, follow through. That's all you need, buddy. You're doing too much. You don't need a, I love my mom, I love my son, I love my wife. Yeah, we get it. You love your family. We, and we love that about you. But just go up there, three dribbles, spin the ball, and shoot it. That's all you need. Anyways, um, Chris Middleton, honestly, he played a pretty decent game. I'm not mad at Middleton at all for game three. I think he played a very, very good. Like, he had a really good, he had a really good all around game. Yes, yes. He was good on defense. He passed the ball well. He didn't shoot it the greatest, which gives me a lot of 50%. Hope. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he still shot it okay. I mean, he was six of 14. So, I mean, that's just below. Just 50. under 50. Yep. Yeah, that's just below. But he didn't have a bad game, 18, 7, and 6. He made an impact on the game. And yep. he, like I said, he was great on defense. So, I mean, I'm waiting for that Chris Middleton blow up. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Everybody keeps sharing that picture all over social media of the Chris Middleton cycle. Yeah. And pretty <laughs> yeah. soon he's going to turn into prime MJ, and the Suns aren't going to know what the hell to do. Um, but, anyways, I'm going to leave the floor for you because I know you've got a lot of good stuff, and I'm very, very excited for this. All right. So, first, on your point of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, um, I mentioned it in game two the miscommunications on defense that went away. Drew Holiday stuck with Chris Paul, and we threw a couple different guys at Booker. But the thing with Booker was he was getting all of his shots were contested. He wasn't getting the wide open looks that he was getting in games one and two. So he was getting contested jumpers. Um, I mentioned I was going to get back to my X Factor, Mikael Bridges. Four points. Four. That's a minus 23 points from what he had the last game. You know, you mentioned already Jay Crowder was six of seven on threes. So that, you know, kind of picks up some slack there. But um, one thing I did want to bring up um, that dunk on PJ Tucker, like totally impressive, like good for you. But I would have liked to see a no call on that play personally. Um, It's one of those things where like the guy slides in to try to get the charge. He doesn't get it. He, you know, he absorbed the contact and kind of bounced off. It wasn't quite a flop, but it also wasn't enough. I think for a charge, you know, I'd like, I don't want to see the player get a charge for that to be something to be discouraged because that Mm -hmm. type of play, you know, it's exciting for the game. You know, we, you know, we are Bucks fans, but that type of play is exciting for basketball. But I also don't think that that really should have been a blocking foul just because Tucker was outside the restricted circle. He was there. He took the contact. So me personally, I would have liked to see a no call on that play. Um, that's just my you know personal feelings on it. Like I said, I, I mean, I explained it how I explained it, but um, Pat Connaughton. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna save Connaughton for the for the preview. Actually, I was gonna lay out Pat Connaughton, but I'm gonna save him for the preview. Okay. Bro. Um, one thing that happened. <laughs> This really bugged me. It, like it grinds my gears that this is something that comes up. Um, Phoenix Suns coach Monty Williams complaining about the number of free throws that Giannis shot. Bruh, I try to avoid this. If you have kids, if you have kids, put the earmuffs on right now. 
Get the fuck out of here with that. You shot nine more free throws in, in the Bucks did in game one, and Giannis is literally the modern embodiment of the hack-a-shack. You are following Giannis because he's shooting like 54% on the free throws in playoffs. Dude, they Don't give me that, that he's getting to the line because he's getting calls. He's getting to the line because you are following him. Yeah, and you're bro. giving you're giving me that excuse when Devin Booker gets looked at by Bryn Forbes in game one and gets a foul call, and you're complaining about the foul calls that Giannis gets? Get out of here with that. You're mad because he made him, not because he got them. Oh, 100%. That's the you're mad you got caught, not that you were doing it. Exactly, yeah. 100%. 100%. Dude, they literally brought this bum off the bench to foul Giannis. I don't even know who that guy is. Was it Niang or whatever? I don't even know who yeah. he is. They brought so, some random dude off the bench. Dude, he wasn't going to play in the regular game. You brought him dude, in the there, final there, You can find pictures from game three where Giannis has like four dudes like trying to follow him at once. Dude, didn't I He's getting followed because there? you don't want him to get and ones because yeah. he finishes through contact because he's not a great free throw shooter. He has yeah, he both. Booker Phoenix knows that. Phoenix knows that he has games where he can shoot well at the free throw line. He had 47 on Phoenix in January, and he was 20 out of 21 on free throws. So don't, yeah, like I said, don't give me that, that it's an unbalanced free throw advantage. You know you're following him a lot. And you're mad because he made him, not because he took them. Did you hear what Giannis' response was to that? Yeah, he's like, you can't be, you can't be, you know, I get followed, I draw a lot of contact, I don't want to hurt my pretty face. Yeah, he said they're making my pretty <laughs> face ugly. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. So so don't complain about the free throws when following Giannis is part of your strategy. You're not mad that he took them. You're mad that he made them. So that's that. Now, what I saw that really encouraged me in this game, and this is something I want to see going forward, is you mentioned already that we talked about Chris Middleton had a good all-around game. Yep. And that, to me... With you know, with the way that Budenholzer used the lineup and you know, and the the rotations and stuff, um, is that it showed a really good balance of being a Giannis led team while also playing team basketball. And that to me really stood out in the third quarter where everybody was touching the ball. Giannis was still dominating, and Drew Holiday had twelve points in that third quarter. He rained a bunch of threes. Pat no, Connaughton made a three right before the end of the third quarter. Bobby Portis is doing his thing. Middleton still found a way to score 18 points. And like we said, just under 50% on free on field goals. Um, finally got to the free throw line in this game. So Middleton, you know, just operating in the space that he had. He didn't take 25 shots. So that's, you know, good or bad, depending on how he's shooting. Um, but just the balance that we saw in games five and six when Giannis wasn't playing. And then moving into this series where Giannis is back now. So now everybody has to readjust after playing two games without him on the fly, you know, in a series where you have to win four games to advance four games to win the championship. Yeah. So that's where I get to this thought that if Giannis had come back in say, like, let's say Giannis was coming back tonight, you know, like two weeks after his original injury and the Bucks were down, say, leave it at two to one. And now they have to make this adjustment down a game instead of to start this series off. I think actually the timing that Giannis came back works in the Bucks' favor because they had those two road games that Phoenix was expected to win anyways to get re recalibrated 
you know, in their game plan with Giannis. Um, That's something that's completely just a thought in my mind, but I really, really think that that's a factor. Um, So that's something that encouraged me is that they, they were all playing together while still playing through Giannis. Um, I have a lot of Giannis stats to drop and some really interesting stuff. But um, one last thing I want to say before I get into that is the Bucks are doing better not turning the ball over. And that's something, you know, the free throws, the turnovers, That's those are like the two biggest things that I've been highlighting all playoffs and basically all of 2021 for the Bucks. So less turnovers. Now, I asked you to remind me of a Nick Wright video that I watched on Instagram this morning mm-hmm. because there was a lot of good stuff that he mentioned in there about Giannis. Um, so Giannis would be the third youngest player to accumulate two MVPs and a championship uh, if, if the Bucks can finish this out. Um now, Giannis's last two games have added up to 85 points. For players to score 85 points, have 20 rebounds and 10 assists in back-to-back games, there's only one player that's done it ever, and it's Giannis. That's, that's crazy to me that he's in his third finals game and already doing things in the finals that nobody has done. That's greatness, man. That's what great. That's, that's what the this, greats that's, do. This is this is one of those things where you know, thirty years from now, we look back and we're like, like, damn, that was real history that we were watching. So I'm I'm like I'm really really enjoying watching the Bucks win, but like, you got to kind of take your take a step back and be like, like we're witnessing history too. Yeah. So that's something that was really cool. Um, Giannis in his back-to-back 40-point games in the last 15 years, if you take LeBron James out of 40-point games in the last 15 years, there have only been seven 40-point games in the finals in the last 15 years. That's crazy. Giannis has two this year. Yeah. So Giannis is just, he's absolutely dominating. There's really no other way to say it. He's just absolutely dominating. So I want to see more of that from Giannis. Um, like I said, he'd be only the 12th player to have um, multiple MVPs and a championship in NBA history, and he'd be the third youngest to ever do it. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on that, obviously, as we watch this series unfold. But um, let's move into some preview, starting with tonight. And then, you know, Game 5 is on Saturday. Game six would be next Tuesday. So um, we'll uh, we'll see how things are going with the series. We might have to jump in and do a live just about the Bucks. Um, but let's talk about moving forward. What do the Bucks need to do to keep winning games? Uh, so tonight, man, uh, the others. I think I think tonight they really are going to do a, a hack a shack. Um. Giannis has to keep going at Aiton because once Aiton went out, it was it was cookies. Everything and, the Bucks wanted in the paint. <laughs> yeah. And I really hope that Phoenix keeps playing a zone because the Bucks are absolutely destroying that zone. Uh, with Giannis in the middle right there, he can make the decision to pass or to literally just be like, ah, you're really small, so I'm going to score on you. 
I mean, DeAndre PJ Tucker and Pat Connaughton are doing really well cutting in that situation. Yes, they are. PJ Tucker's doing a good, better job of finishing because he was missing some of those layups, but he's finishing them now, and that's big. If he could finish that, then they have to think about it. They might play him a little half. He can get those open threes. All he has to do is hit a couple corner threes, then it's over. Dude, everybody on the Bucks can score. If you all of a sudden look at the box score and they're like, you know, Giannis has 40 and Middleton and Holiday both have 20 and Bobby Portis has 15 and then you look at the box score and it's like, damn, P.J. Tucker had 10 points? Like, he doesn't need to score 20 points. But if he can throw, you know, just 10 points out there, like, that's a big deal when most of these games are being decided by 10 points or less. Yes, 10 points from him feels like 20, in my opinion. Um, What else was I going to say? Oh, uh, they have to keep dominating the boards. Um, they really did a really, really good job in it last game. I like when the Bucks are more physical and they push up on their on their defender. You know, I really like that. The the Bucks are better as the aggressor. You know, you don't you never want to be on your heels. You know, in sports, any sport you play, you never want to feel like you're being pushed back. Because then when you try to push forward, you might be clumsy, you might not be thinking, you might be like, Oh, you just get in your head, and then it's over after that. So I like when the Bucks are the aggressors from the tip. And that's why, you know, when I was giving my keys, I really wanted Chris to be, you know, aggressive. But, you know, when I said before, I thought Chris played well. If he can play he this was aggressive. role. He was aggressive passing the ball. I mean, it, it, you know, it's not it's not right. a flashy, you know, that he doesn't drop 30 points. But, you know, seven assists and limited turnovers is still very oh, right. you know, helpful, 100%. impactful. So if he can do this and give me 20, 25 points, then the Bucks are going to coast to this title. To be completely honest with you, the when I watched Game Two, and I was watching Giannis get literally whatever he wanted. Did you see that tweet that somebody remade? By the way, did you see that meme? Okay, so there's a tweet uh, out there from Giannis a long time ago where he says, "I taste for the oh, first time." Yep. Uh, Jay Crowder yes. single coverage defense. Yes. <laughs> there's not a human being on the Suns that can guard Giannis, and we talked about this a lot. A lot, man. Yep. Nobody's guarding Giannis one on one. Giannis yep. is, a, is a bad dude, and he he brought he added to the bag this year that little turnaround fade post. I mean, that's that's beastie, man. That's a nice move. When if if he can hit that, hit a couple of those, one, two, three of those, then it's over. He just euro steps around everybody. Everybody else is too small. So Giannis keeps small. dominating, and yeah, and he keeps dominating. And we have one other person, you know, add to him, and we got so many people. Like everybody, like you said, everybody in the Bucks can score. And we got, you know, we defend with a purpose, and we have one other person score. We're gonna go crazy, man. That's really how I feel. I think the Bucks. The game that I really am, the only game I'm worried about is obviously the one on the road. I'm gonna be completely honest. For some reason, I have this feeling that's the game that Chris Middleton's just gonna go bonkers in. I really <laughs> feel like that. Like I feel like he's just about to go out there, go like seven of ten from three, and drop like thirty eight points. And just go crazy. And everybody's going to be like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> so, to me, I guess, uh, play the same game, man. They got to keep Bobby in the rotation, though. Bud's yeah. got to keep Bobby in the rotation. 100%. Get out of my head. I'm sorry, man. He's got it. It's, it's just <laughs> That's basic knowledge, isn't it? Yes. I mean, if, if Brooke Lopez is going crazy, you don't, you don't have to take him out. But Bobby right. Porras was playing great. And plus, he always brings that energy, especially at home. Bobby has to play 20 minutes at home. He has to. So this that that plays perfectly into multiple, actually pretty much all of my keys is stuff you've covered already. But what you're getting feeds into what I want to say is that um, 
likely to see more of Giannis at the five with Bobby Portis in than Giannis at the four with Brooke Lopez in. And with that comes something that needs to be an issue that the Bucks force right out of the gate is to get DeAndre in, in foul trouble. Yes. That is a huge thing. And DeAndre Ayton is a crutch that the Suns lean on, on offense and defense. Yeah, so if you, the, you know, the, the Suns are a three-legged chair. You kick out one of that legs and they're going to fall. The Bucks were, you know, good enough on defense that they kicked out two of the legs yeah. in game three and Booker played poorly and DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble. What that does is that gets Phoenix into a situation where they have nobody that can even handle Giannis. DeAndre Ayton can, you know, at least like rebuff him when he's backing down. Like Giannis has trouble posting up on DeAndre Ayton. He can pull him away from the basket and get past him. And he does the thing where he does it mostly on the left side of the court where he drives with his left hand and he gets inside of Ayton and he finishes with a layup. But, you know, just backing him down, DeAndre Ayton is a big, strong guy. So it's harder for Giannis to do that, and that's where he kind of works in his post-fade. But um, if they get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble, not only does that make it easy for Giannis to dominate, but that makes it easier for Bobby Portis to dominate. And it also doesn't get into a situation where Giannis is used so often as a weak side defender so that he can can rotate, recover, he can do everything on defense – um, what that does is that gets Bobby Portis in a situation where he would have to guard DeAndre Ayton, and that doesn't work. Like Bobby Portis, he plays all energy, but he's just he's not a great defender. Brooke Lopez is a very good defender. Yes. But <clears throat> I mean, in a situation versus you know Bobby Portis's defense and DeAndre Ayton's offense, especially when there's a lot of screening going on, like DeAndre Ayton has the upper hand there. Like that's that's just honestly that's a fact. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not any slight at Bobby Portis because he's fantastic. But um, getting DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble where he has to go sit for a six-minute stretch and then the Bucks can go on a huge run while also limiting Phoenix's scoring, that's, that's a big deal. Phoenix can't run their pick and roll nearly as effectively without DeAndre Ayton because he's really good at finishing around the rim. He's really good at rolling. He's really good at you know, working with Chris Paul and Devin Booker on that pick and roll. And he's the anchor of their defense. Dude, he is a legit center. Legit center. He really he is. Is a center. Like he's not a he's not a you know stretch the floor kind of guy. He can hit that little midi every once in a while, but yep. he is a real center. Rebound the ball, protect the rim on offense. He's a great screener, great roller. He's a real center. And Chris Paul is a real point guard. Like they got a real player. Like Booker's a legit what you think of shooting guard. He's a real. Yep. Yeah. Those guys are all what their position is supposed to be, which is weird nowadays. You know what I mean? Because we have so many players that are like, oh, this guy's really a shooting guard, but he's playing power forward. <laughs> like, what? Right. Yeah. The Bucks have some weird rotations out there once in a while, but, um, you know, this the situation that I'm looking for the most is to see Giannis at the five. Um, see Giannis at the five and Bobby Portis in. Um, Brad, my coworker, just said, uh, my opinion, shutting down Paul and Booker is the number one factor to win. Um, example of games one and two. So, honestly, I think just the defensive game plan changing um, helps that be a reality, uh, especially with you know all the switching and stuff like that. 
if the Bucks are communicating better and they're not switching on those screens so much and they're just having true matchups, um, I think that favors the Bucks. Um, Devin Booker is great on offense, but um, having Drew on Chris Paul is really, really what made a big difference in Game Three. Um, and you know, using Frank Kaminsky in a pick and roll is not the same as using DeAndre Ayton in a pick and roll. So for me, getting DeAndre Ayton out of the game with foul trouble is is really my number one thing because it feeds into the rest of the players' games, especially Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul, he's a really, really, really great point guard, but he's not a one-on-one player. He's All those mid-range shots that he's getting and he's knocking down, those are coming off of pick and rolls. That's so why, that's why it's hard to stop Paul because he's running that high pick and roll. And like I said, he can get that mini whenever he wants, dude. And, and then, like I said, and like I said, DeAndre Ayton, he's the he's their anchor on offense and defense. Yeah. So getting DeAndre Ayton into foul trouble is, is my number one thing because not only does that allow um, you know, it hurts Chris Paul because he can't run the pick and roll as much, but that also makes scoring in the paint for the Bucks so much easier when Jay Crowder and Frank Kaminsky are the only guys down there you have to try to score past. And I love both of them because they both played college in Wisconsin, but neither of them are stopping Giannis, Lopez, or Portis from scoring in the paint. Yeah, or Drew Holiday, shit. <laughs> or, or Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew Holiday's great down there. He's amazing down in the paint. Um, I would like to say screw Jay Crowder. Do not like Jay Crowder. He's always been a Bucks killer, dude. Always been a Bucks killer. And he went to Marquette, so nah. But love Frank, dude. Player of the year, dude. Badgers should have won that title. We're not going to go there because that was a sad day for Wisconsin fans. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. We should have so, been national champs. I love Jay Crowder, and I love Frank Kaminsky, just not in this series. I agree. Um, last thing I want to say about the Bucks: put some respect on Pat Connaughton. Seriously, we've been saying it for a long time. Like, put some respect on Pat Connaughton. Not only has he stepped up in the absence of Dante DiVincenzo, but he, oh, he's so underrated as a shooter, it drives me nuts. People are calling for Bryn Forbes. Where's Bryn Forbes? Like, yes, if he shows up, that's fantastic. It happened in game two in Miami. It hasn't really happened since then. Pat Connaughton's a good shooter. So I added up his stats from games one through three. He's 11 for 21 on field goals. He's 8 for 17 on threes. It's pretty damn good. Damn near 30%. Put some respect on Pat Connaughton. Not only is he shooting well, he's a he's a all effort defender. He gives he gives everything he's got. He's not the best one-on-one defender, but he is all effort. He's a, actually a really solid rebounder for a shooting guard small forward type player. And he's just all effort. All he's, effort. He's a great rebounder for his, a 6'4 white guy. I'll just say that. So so that's my last thing. Is put some respect on Pat Connaughton because he means a lot. All the Is he overpaid because he makes $5 million a year? No. no We're seeing it now with Dante being out. Dude, Pat Connaughton's a huge part of this. He's yeah, re- yeah, He yeah. really is. He's the first player on the bench for us, and he's played great. He's one He's one of the people that allows us to run that little bit of switching defense. I'm okay with switching on defense, but just not as much as they were. Right. Only do it when, when, it, when it needs to be done. Right. 
Yeah, he did. We talked about that, Brad. that was awesome yeah that capped off the the third quarter where they scored 16 straight to end that quarter that three-pointer that he made with less than two seconds left that's a that's a backbreaker for phoenix when when he was sitting down booker and they went to a two-point set i was like this shit's over dude so you got anything else bucks related before we talk a little bit about the brewers I think we should both give a score prediction for tonight. Let's give uh, a score I t- prediction. I think I, I thought I told you today. Since Giannis has been going crazy, let's give both. You want me to go first? Go for it. Giannis is going for 40 again, okay? I'm going to say that right now. They do not have any way to stop this man. And I've there's been very few athletes who I've seen who are as, motivated, as self-motivated as Giannis. To be completely honest with you, I mean, Kobe Bryant comes to mind. Tom Brady, great mental toughness, always motivated. I mean, there's been few and far between in my life who I've seen that are more motivated. I mean, Russell Westbrook's a pretty motivated guy. He's just also a train wreck at the same time, so I'm not even going to put him on the list. You could, you could put Damian Lillard in there, but... Damian Lillard, he's pretty self-motivated, but he's also kind of a chill guy. I don't really think of him as a... I mean, he's a killer, but he's not a killer, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Right. Like, when you look at Damian he Lillard... Hasn't, he hasn't taken that next step yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is going for 40 again. Um, I think he's going to be inching towards that record, Michael Jordan record of straight 40 point games in the finals. And I think the Bucks are going to score 125 points. And I think the Suns are going to score 105 points. I think we're going to smack the shit out of them tonight. I really feel that way. I think the Suns are kind of like, yeah, we're going to come to play. It's going to be a little bit in the first half here and there, here and there. And then I think, I think I'm expecting a better game. For Middleton, I think Middleton's going to go for 25 tonight. I think Middleton's going to have a bounce back game, five threes for him. That's my over-under for him. Uh, Drew Holiday will do his thing on defense, and I expect Bobby to have a big role again. I th- I really think we're going to smack the hell out of him tonight. I'm looking forward to, to more Bobby Portis too. Like I said, I think it's going to be a lot more Giannis at the five with Bobby Portis in there because um, I think that gives them a little more energy. Um, not that Brooke Lopez isn't an energetic guy. He's just, he's, he takes up space and he operates, you know, he's not, you know, high energy. He's just, he's like an operator guy. Um, for me, I did also think the Suns were going to score 105 points, but I was going to say the Bucks 120. So I was going to say 120, 105 and Giannis, I think he's going to be in that 35 to 40 point range again. And it's easy for us to say that. Because he's going to shoot a lot of free throws again. He's oh, yeah. going to. They're going to hammer like, that. Like I said, Phoenix's strategy is to foul Giannis. That wasn't an accident that he shot 17 free throws. No. Like I said, Monty Williams was mad because he made 13 of them. So Giannis is going to shoot a lot of free throws again. A, because he's going to press the issue. He's going to be aggressive. He's been aggressive in back-to-back games. And you take away game one because that was his first game back. So that's his first game, you know, feeling it out. He still had 20 and 17 in Dude, game 17 one. 17 rebounds on a freaking half a line. That was the man, bro. Love that guy. Holy shit. So that's I that's why I had to wear my Giannis jersey today because I'm hey. I'm absolutely loving Giannis. You know what I did, bro. All my Bucks jerseys except like three are Giannis, bro. That's the man. I right, go this way. Let's go. So I'm seeing 35 to 40 out of Giannis again. Um Tyler asking, did you see Tory Smith's comment? Did you see it? No, I did. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. You, uh, uh, Tory he- Smith 
former NFL wide receiver said about Giannis that he's a model for athletes because he doesn't allow things to rattle him. Like he said, like you airball a free throw, the very next play he's going at it again. He doesn't let stuff get to him. So I, I completely agree. Thanks for bringing that up, Tyler. Um, it's It was awesome. I mean, Giannis is – he's great. And like like Jake said, he's very self-motivated. And he you know wants what? to win a championship. Before we move on, dude, I'm going to talk about this because this, this shit's actually kind of pissing me off. You might want to put those earmuffs back on your kids. Why the hell is Giannis not considered a top three player in this league? Every time I bring up a question, you know, there's a Dr. Pepper rep I talk to. Shout out to you if you're watching, my man. How is Giannis not considered top three? This Dude, man is somebody said Luca the other day. It's because he doesn't have I, a jump shot. The one thing he doesn't have, people are going to criticize him for. Okay, so he that's doesn't have why, a jump shot. That's that should make it easy to guard him, right? That, oh, I, I feel, I, this is why I wanted to bring up the whole multiple MVPs and a championship thing, that he'd yeah. be one of 12 ever to do it, and that he's the only one to put up 85 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists combined in two games. He's the only one. I don't don't give a shit that he doesn't have a jump shot because he doesn't need it. No, and I've said he can literally years. score forty on you inside the paint and at the free throw line. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? <laughs> Imagine if he had a jump shot. I know it's crazy in fantasy world. This dude would be dropping sixties all day, bro. It would be a wrap if he's pulling off a three. Now what? When, when Nick Wright was talking about it, he was comparing him to Finals MVP Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Because Giannis is only averaging like a point and a half less, like a rebound less, like two more assists while shooting better and playing better defense. Yes. Than Shaquille O'Neal when he was getting Finals MVPs. So the fact that Giannis doesn't have a jump shot is really only, you know, a contentious point because he doesn't play strictly in the paint. Because he's not, he's not a true center. Sha- Shaquille O'Neal never had a jump shot. Nobody gave a shit that Shaquille O'Neal couldn't shoot a jumper. No, he just dunked on you, <laughs> and you're like, because, yeah, he's awesome. Because it doesn't matter. No, it he doesn't never matter. needed to. If Giannis doesn't need to get a jump shot, why should he? He's literally the best player at scoring in the paint. He's literally he's he's been the best since Shaquille O'Neal for like the last four seasons at scoring in the paint. I'm gonna like respond. To, I'm gonna respond to Brad's comment for for a sec, real quick. He is in a smaller market in a sense because he's in Milwaukee, but he's also international, so he has an entire country following him. And those international fans over there, they probably cheer for international players more than they cheer for USA players. I would just imagine, kind of like we cheer for our players that come from our college more. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. I mean, Giannis is international. Everybody knows who he is. He's a Nike brand. He's Bose. I mean, he's on hella commercials. Everybody knows who he got two-time MVP. And he's MVP. getting to a point where he's he's got the influence in the front office. This happened with Bobby Portis where yep. the Bucks didn't go sign Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis texted Giannis and said, hey, I can help your team. Giannis went to the front office and said, hey, go get Bobby Portis, and they did. And you know it's, be it's been a great message? move. The Packers what? should be listening to that message yeah. <laughs> about their star player going, hey, I think we should go after this guy, you know, because this guy, you know, he talked to me and I think it would be a good idea. It might be a good idea to listen to Aaron Rodgers. I'm just going to say that out loud, you know, because it need to be said for some reason. My God. 
Anyways, back to Giannis. He's the man. He's unstoppable. He's a top three player in this league. I do not give a crap who is on your freaking list. He's better than Damian Lillard. He's better than Steph Curry. There's only two people who I give that are above him. That's a healthy LeBron James because people forgot because he rolled his ankle and he's 37 years old. Yeah, he's playing with Bugs Bunny right now, okay? That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Secondly, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is insane. Yep. Kevin Durant. We yep. watched him this playoffs go crazy against us. We almost lost to just Kevin Durant. That's how good yep. Kevin Durant is. Those are the only two players I'm putting above Giannis. And you want to know yep. why? Because they have an impact on both sides of the court. And I'm so sick of talking to people about basketball. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, but he shoots this. And he does this on offense. And he's got this skill on offense. Okay, what the, what the hell is he doing the other side of the court? He gave up 40 himself. He ain't guarding nobody. Yeah, That's why, like, the James Harden thing. I saw – I'm in a couple NBA groups. And I yeah. saw a thing, and it was, like, current uh, active players. And it had James Harden above Giannis. Oh, my God. Knock it off. James Harden is not better than Giannis in any way. All right. Giannis is better than him coming into this season because he already has multiple MVPs. Also, the first player since what, Hakeem Olajuwon to win MVP and DPOY in the same year. And that hasn't been done in like 25 years. Too. So he's one, he's and the All Star game MVP. He, oh, he, we're going to find out close. how good James Harden is when he can't do that flopping shit. The thing Dude, that bothers me with Harden, Harden has game. I will never say Harden doesn't have does. game. Harden is very skilled. But the thing that bothers people the most, myself included, is when Harden plays, he plays for the foul. He doesn't play basketball. Mm-hmm. When he got traded and he went to Houston, yeah, he went in his bag, bro. He, he's got a good handle. He could pass well. He could shoot well. He could finish well. He does all that, and he has an NBA body. But it just bothers me, all that flopping, cheesy crap, man. I ain't trying to watch that. That's hard to watch, man. I love Luka. Luka flops all the time. Luka is amazing. Stop doing that, Luka. You're better than that. And he's on the cover of 2K22, by the way. Don't so put, if don't put wants Luka to that, over Giannis either. Don't do that. No. He don't play enough defense, bro. Oh, so he, so he has 40 points and 12 I literally just points. said that to somebody today. Like, don't let the stats fool you. Like, he's his usage rate is insane. Because yeah. there's nobody else on Dallas. Well, that's what James Harden was in Houston. Freaking literally, he would have the ball 80% of the freaking time. Of course he's going to have 50 points. And it's, not, and it's not cool to score 35 points when you're scoring 20 at the free throw line. Like, that yeah, doesn't impress yeah. me. I'm just – I just wanted to say, man, I'm just so sick and tired of Giannis not getting his respect. I hope he goes crazy, dunks all over everybody. I love when he rebounds over Devin Booker because I've heard people say Devin Booker is better than Giannis, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, Devin Booker just became a star within the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. He started becoming a – I mean, he was always he's always been a baller, always been a shooter. Don't yep. get me wrong. But, he's an all-star. He's for yeah, sure he's an, all-star. he's an all-star level player. But there's there's levels. There's all-star, then there's star, then there's superstar. And I'm so sick and tired of everybody calling everybody a superstar, okay? Settle down with all that. There's like five very elite. in the entire NBA. Yeah. Yep. So, Devin Booker just became a star. You know, he, he started becoming a star last year in the bubble when he started going nuts and they went like 8-0 or whatever. I mean, he had his 70-point game a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty bad. They lost that game, but, yeah, I mean, it was They lost that game by, like, 15, I'm pretty sure. But that was against a good Boston team, by the way. But anyways, um, I don't know, man. Giannis has got to get his respect. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I keep telling people this. Like, he's 26. Yeah, I know. He's 26. I know know it feels like he's been around forever, but. 
I know, man. We, dude, we got we got we still got ten years in Giannis, man. <laughs> Who knows? This might be the first. This might be a Jordan run. We don't know. This might be our Jordan run. It really might be. It could, especially if guys buy into it. Like Bobby Portis, he's got a player option this year. If he's yeah. like, yeah, I can make ten million to go play with the Orlando Magic, or I can make five million with the Bucks that I just won a championship with, like. I don't know. Twenty thousand people chanting my name sounds like a pretty good reason to sign, bro. So does this big ass ring on my hand, like dead ass, bro. Let's make it a second one, dude. <laughs> and and the way that the guys, the, the like the chemistry of this team is awesome too. Yeah, like even yeah. down to down to the guys like like Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill and Thanasis, like they're all up at the end of the bench. They're, they're hyping each other up. It doesn't seem like those guys play a role games. because they don't get on the court a lot. But they do, like it. Like everybody matters. Yeah, man, I love this team, man. It, and I've been saying it for a, for a long time now, since the beginning of the season. I don't think I've ever said it on here, but if anybody's going to break the championship curse that it seems like Wisconsin has right now since the last Packers title, I feel like we've just been getting hosed. If anybody's going to do it, it's a six eleven, godly freakish guy from Greece, man. It really is. That's what it takes to break a curse. <laughs> we'll see uh so i mean we have a that's a good segue now because we can move into another team that that could contend and it that's what be. we want to talk about is the brewers and the brewers have a chance to do some stuff here um they they kind of slid into the all-star break they lost three out of the four to the reds and now they play three more against the reds coming out of the all-star break so they got a chance for revenge there um some really weird stuff happened in that red series. Christian Yelich getting tagged out on a play where he like looked at second base on a, on a ball that got past the first baseman. And then the second baseman like jokingly tagged him and the umpire called him out. It was a stupid thing. It's a really, really nitpicky call for an umpire to make. And that type of thing makes the game about the umpire, not about the players, which is something we've denounced in every sport that we've talked about is that more whistles is almost always a bad thing. We talked about it in the NFC Championship game. We've talked about it during the Bucks games. And now it's happening in baseball where the umpires are like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm here. I want to be a big deal. And then it happened to Willie Adamas that this bothers me that second baseman can block the yeah, bag sure. while a guy is. And I know what I said um, to some of the people that were talking about it is that the MLB would say, well, if you don't want to get tagged out for your foot touching his foot, is to slide head first. But that's still just such a nitpicky thing. If the second baseman can block the foot, like block the bag with his foot, either his foot should become part of the bag. So once you're touching it, like you're safe, because that's that's basically what you're doing to have him tagged out in between his heel touching the bag while his foot is touching the second baseman's foot. In between his foot coming off of the second baseman's foot and getting back on the base is basically the equivalent of of going up to somebody who's standing on a base, pushing him off, and then tagging him. That's that's basically what that boils down to. Yep. So my thing with that is that it either needs to be interference and he should either be given second base because he beat the throw by a fucking mile anyways. Yeah, and since or, that place, I remember that. Or... The, the second baseman's foot's got to be considered part of the bag, similar to the NBA where, like, your hand is considered part of the ball. Yeah. 
so those are my two thoughts on that. Willie Adamas got like royally shafted. Like I said, he beat the throw by a mile and then got called out on a technicality, which is so stupid. Cause like I said, that makes the game about instant replay and umpiring more than it does about the players, which is the last thing that baseball needs right now. Yeah. Baseball doesn't need the game longer. Okay. So we don't need instant replays that take, you know, eight minutes. We don't need that. The game's already lasting like four freaking hours. Especially <laughs> when you're in a in a game that people are paying less attention to because there's less action. And this has been a, a big pitcher's year. And now there's so many bad umpires this season. There's so many. Like a lot of below average umpiring this season to the point where it's like, should we do electronic umpires? Like it's really getting to that point. Yeah, a lot of people are... I see a lot of people when I go on my Bleacher Report app that are that are saying that, man. I just read the comments, so, and a lot of people want that. So it's 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 really it's annoying. And like I said, any situation where the officiating becomes the bigger story than the actual game and the players, like that's just a a shot to the head of of whatever sport it is. That it just it makes it less makes it less interesting, honestly, when you make yeah. it about the officiating more than the players. Um, so speaking of players, Josh Hader kind of cooling off, you know, he's not perfect. He played perfect for a long time. It was, it's unrealistic to expect him to be a hundred percent on saves at the end of the season. Um, Urias and Yelich both struggled during that red series. Urias was two for 14. Yelich was three for 13. Um, I have some more on them looking forward to the second half. Um, but like I said, they got a chance for revenge coming into, uh, coming out of the all-star break, coming into a series with the Reds. So let's, um, I want to get you, you said you have some keys to the second half for the Brewers to make a title run. Um, first things first, um, I was looking up the Reds and the Reds, this is a weird stat. They are eight and five against us. You know, we're leading the division. So that's very good for them. Bad for us. And like you said, revenge coming up pretty soon, hopefully. And they are one in five against the Diamondbacks. They have the same amount of losses against the Diamondbacks that they do against us. That's weird, isn't it? That is weird, especially because yeah. the Diamondbacks have like twenty wins. I know <laughs> five of them are against the <laughs> Reds. Uh, Reds are a pretty good team, though. Uh, yep, but they have anyway, good offense. My keys. Um, I was kind of pulling stuff from everywhere. One thing I read an article on ESPN Plus today. And they were given grades and a uh, little bit of tidbits here and there on, on all the teams. And the Brewers had the third highest grade for the first half. They gave them an A minus. Um, so from me, I'm not going to take from them. I took from multiple sources, but these are the keys that I made. Number one is continue great pitching. We have great, we have great capable starters. Obviously, three of our five are absolutely power pitchers. They're all um, stars. My man, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my boy uh, Freddie looked like a boss, and uh, he was the first Brewer ever to strike out the side in the All Star game. He was the first player ever. Oh, sh- first player ever. Yeah, I just first, first player ever, ever to strike out the side in an All Star game. My God, yeah, dude, he's a beast. That's my boy. Let's go. <laughs> Those All Star jerseys are sick, by the way. I like them. I like the hats more than the jerseys. I like the jerseys are cool. Are they vertical? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I like them. Um. <laughs> So continue with the great pitching, starters, bullpen. Um, like I've like I've always heard my whole life that if they don't score, you can't lose. Pretty pretty simple. 
that was the uh, philosophy coming into the season between Council and Stearns was was run prevention and run you know run stopping. So right. Um, my second point was more cons- uh, make hitting more consistent. You know, runners on base, getting on base. I think at times the Brewers, you know, they've had their hot streaks, but they've also had their really really lows. Uh, two people that I'm looking at for that. One is Yelich. I would really like him to return to MVP form. Him returning to MVP form can really just completely remake this offense. And two is Jackie Bradley Jr. Yep. If Jackie Bradley can start hitting at a consistent rate, you know, imagine he's on base because he hits lower in the order than Yelich. He could be on base for Yelich to get more RBIs with his power return. And Urias too. Yeah, Urias. Um, I would throw I would throw Keston Hira in there as well. Yeah, Hira as well. I mean, all the guys that I mean, Hira. Bradley, Urias, those guys are all they're all like down there. You know, they're low guys, they're capable guys, you know, they're professional they're, they're professionals, man. Jackie Bradley's been in the league for a long time for a reason. He's a good yep. ball player. He's a and, yeah, and he's obviously a great defender. Yeah. And we we've seen Keston hit, man. We've seen what he can do when he gets on a hot streak. He that guy can hit a baseball, man. He's just gotta he's gotta find it, man. And Urias is young, so I'll get I'll, he's the one guy I'll give a pass to because he's a I got some guy. stuff on Urias. It's you know, I, I'm sure you do. That's your boy, man. That's kind of your boy. I like Urias. I really, I really am glad that the Brewers like continued to commit to him even after the Willie Adamas trade. Right. So, um, you got a third key yet, or would, yeah, I'll let you drop your third key. Um, is don't make the unforced errors. You know when when you have it when you have three errors in a game in a baseball game. That's in basketball. That's like having like 18 turnovers. Like that yeah. can't happen. You don't win a lot of those games. So, you know, really just, you know, this kind of ties into the pitching, you know, like you talked about the run prevention. That's yep. kind of the same thing. Like, you know, you know, take your routes to your fly balls, make the good throws to first base, you know, just, just be on your, be on your stuff, man. This, this Brewers team, man, they could be something special if they, they get to hitting, man. They really could, you know, they could be scary. The Giants look really, really good right now. And the Dodgers are the Dodgers, you know. Those are really the two teams that I think that are going to be competing with us at the end because, you know what, the Cubs suck. I said to say that. Um, I'm ready for your notes. <laughs> All right. So one other thing that I'm looking for, uh, first half versus second half, is team health. Uh, Lorenzo Cain should be back soon. Um, hopefully Colton Wong is back soon. Um, just Just general team health is something I'm looking at. Um, hoping for some more run support for Corbin Burns because he deserves it. Um, yeah, he does. Just want to hi- highlight a couple things. So Luis Urias is second on the team in home runs and RBI and hits. My God. So Luis Urias is actually he's batting pretty well. His average is a little low. He's batting two thirty seven, I think, but he's he's still doing stuff. And he's got a lot more pop in his bat than Orlando Arcia ever did. So, move on. Um, Willie Adamas has raised his batting average by 94 points in less than two months. That's damn good. He's gone from 197 to 291 in less than two months. 291? 291. That's Willie Adamas. Good. That's a solid-ass hitter, man. So, Willie Adamas coming around big time. And then last thing that I have is, Christian. you mentioned Christian Yelich. And he knows that he's not playing at his MVP level. He knows. Um, 
So his strikeout rate is what concerns me with him. Um, he's striking out 27.7% of the time. What I've what I've given him credit for is getting on base a lot. He's getting on base about 40% of the time. His walk rate is at the highest of his career at 19.8%. So those two, his walks and his strikeouts, accumulate for 47.5% of his at-bats. So almost 50% of the time, he's either walking or striking out. That, to me, says that he's just not seeing a lot of great pitches. That's fair, actually. So we'll see what happens with Yelich in the second half. Um, I don't know if you have anything else before we sign off, but um, that's what I'm looking at. No, nah, man. Uh, we're going to have a great day today. I was really, really excited. Yesterday, I didn't want to go to work, and I just kept telling myself, Wednesday is going to be a great day, man. I got to do my podcast, which I love with my boy. I mean, my brother was on as well. Obviously, love my brother. Uh, we get to watch the Bucks win an NBA Finals game. And, you know, we, we're going to have the Brewers coming back soon. Uh, Packers start training camp pretty soon, man. Yeah, uh, uh, Life is good, man. Just, just take every – just don't take things for granted, man. That's all I'm going to say. Life all is right, good. man. All right. Well, I will see you next week then. Yes, sir. Hey, be safe. Tell the family I say hi, buddy. All right, go Bucks. Yeah, later, bud. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.